We've been in Matthew 13 in the Storyteller series, and, um, and, and I don't know, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a serial preacher. We, we stay in series, and, and, and it's good, and it's a good place because we're able to, to jump through, and we've been in Matthew 13 in this series, just um, moving through it, and, and we may read there in a few moments, but a little messed up in there. God's really been, I don't know about you, but just the things that's going on in, in the church, and when I say the church, the big C church, when it comes to some of the good things that God is doing. And I'm, first of all, I'll reference Asbury and, and uh, you know, just such a good thing that, you know, and I know there's naysayers and there's people that pick things apart, and, and I get it, maybe, but I also know to see young people just wanting to worship and pray and seek after God. I'm like, come on, somebody. Like, let that be all over the world. Let that kind of, let that kind of mess up the communities around the world, and we have to deal with that problem. That's Okay. I would a whole lot rather have to deal with a little wildfire than have no fire. Are you with me? Like, it, it troubles me that, that you see the problems we do in society and then people get a little worked up about something that doesn't fit their agenda. I'm like, come on, Jesus. And, I, and I, I thought about not only Asbury, but then Lee in Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, I watched a YouTube video a week or so ago, and it was, it was UK, University of Kentucky. I kind of say it, uck, because because I'm an IU fan, but, but, but anyways, I, I, uh, I, I saw them in Rupp Arena, and they had a stage set up in the middle, and so, so just so you understand, this, this, isn't, this isn't Asbury, this isn't Lee, this isn't Cedarville, this isn't one of the seminaries or Bible colleges or institution of, of developing Christian leaders, it's none of that, it's University of Kentucky. And they got a stage set up there. And, and that place is huge. It's massive, so it's not totally filled. But there's so many of these college students in there just seeking after God. I'm like, yes! That's what we want to see. And the, and, the, and, the, and the activity, I'll say it old-fashioned, the activity of the Holy Ghost in our nation right now. I mean, we've heard the stories from far away. I've got a friend who who is um, very involved in missions in India, and he said, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not uncommon to hear about supernatural, miraculous stuff that happens there that, that seems very much like the Bible uh, that you hear over and over again because so many people in India are coming to Jesus. And, and then in, in Iran and the, um, just the church there and in some of the, the Islamic countries where God is giving dreams of Jesus, and they're coming and saying that they, they're, they're, one um, uh, place in Africa, um, they, um, in a, Northern Africa, and um, a Muslim country, the person had a dream about Jesus, and, and, and then he said, go to this place, told them what street and the door to go, and they went, and it was a Christian missionary there who couldn't be exposed in what they were doing, and they, they said, said, the man... I think it was the man in white in my dream told me to come here and you would tell me more. Whoa. I'm like, yes, yes. I, I'm saying this because hearing these reports and these stories about how God is working, well, it causes me to just get amped up. Right? If, if you have any Jesus in you, it makes you want to say, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and then you say, Lord, send it here. 
right? Move here. Move in my, start with me. Do something in my life that rearranges and redirects me so that I move in closer and deeper and, and have more of a, an awareness of your presence in what you're doing and what you desire to do. Because I want to tell you, it looks a whole lot different if God gets what he wants than if we get what we want. God, align my heart with you so that my heart wants what you want. Sometimes you just got to pray, God, give me the want to. Somebody say, give me the want to. But sometimes we get so settled in what we know and what we think and how we are that our routine just can't be broken. One of the, one of the uh, cartoon movies, I, there's probably a better way to say it, that uh, I've watched a few times. And uh, it's, a, it's a good one, you know. It's at, uh, it's not Elmo, Nemo. Nemo. Anybody seen the Nemo movie? Yeah. I know it doesn't sound real spiritual, but, but there's, a, there's a place in it that I think is, is very um, revelatory, insightful on where the church is many times. It's, it's, it's when, it's when he, he gets captured, and I can't, I've seen it like three or four or five times, I think. I can't remember how he gets captured, but however he gets captured, he gets captured, and he's in this aquarium. Anybody remember that part of the story? If you don't, I'm, I'm leading you through it. He's in an aquarium. He's, he's this uh, colorful, is he a clownfish? Clownfish. And, and he's in this, now he's been, been in the ocean, and now he's in this aquarium. And he's in there with these other creatures of aquatic life. And he's, he's in the aquarium with them. And, and for Nemo, he keeps on bumping his nose up against the glass because he's been out there. And he has a taste of what it's like to be in the ocean with like the, you know, the, the, the totally tubular turtle guy and all that stuff, you know. And he, he's been out there. And he knows what it's like. And it's, it's way different. It's, it's, it's the contrast between being in the aquarium and being in the ocean is so different. But yet all the creatures in there, they're kind of okay with being in those four walls of glass in that box, as it were, they're okay with, they're settled. They, 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 they're just comfortable being there. But Nemo, well, he just can't have it. He's got to be free. He's got to be, he's got to experience what's out there because he knows there's so much more out there than there is in there. But the rest of them, they're only acquainted with that place, that position, that posture that they're at. And so they have no hunger, no desire to go beyond. And they just hang out there. It's not a bad place. It's a nice place. They get fed a little bit. They exist somehow. But I want to tell you, it's not like it is to be in the ocean. Nemo knows that. He knows this isn't what it's like to be in the ocean. And I said this, it's, it's a picture, I think, many times of the modern-day church in America that we're so comfortable in our four walls, in, in the aquarium, as it were, in the box that we're adjusted, that we don't realize that if we ever get out of that box, if God would ever let God shatter the glass and let us be free, that there's so much more beyond where we're at. Are you with me? And I know I'm real preachy this morning, but I'm just kind of feeling this. And, and I know it's all about feeling, but for me right now, I just have this kind of burning in me that, that I can't continue to settle for the way it is. Anybody hear what I'm saying? 
And I know when I say that, some folks would say, well, pastor, are you talking about some kind of craziness and some kind of weirdness? And I'm, no, not really. Although if we were in biblical times right now, we might get freaked out a little bit by some of the stuff that happens. I mean, if an angel showed up in your kitchen today to tell you something, you probably look a lot different than you do right now coming in here. Right? If, 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 if some of the things that we read about and we like, oh, yeah, that's what God did there, if that happened, because well, sometimes God just stretches us out of our box. When God moves, he doesn't ask, okay, chapel's over at Asbury. We're gonna, God, we're gonna, I'm going to continue to do some stuff, so you're going to have to stay here for like a week and a half or two weeks and just kind of be here, and you can come and go and sleep and eat and all the stuff you need to do, but, but we're just, I'm just going to kind of sit here for, for the time being. He didn't ask us if we're okay. Like, he didn't ask Moses, Moses, you know, it would be okay if I asked you to take off your shoes before you step up here. No, he just says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. It's not like, it's not like well, there's some kind of, on, the, on the, the Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out in the church, there's not like, okay, let's figure out how it's all going to happen and make sure we get, can we, can we plan that out on Planning Center to make sure we got the time limits on it and all those things. Some of you don't know what planning center. It's a way that we're able to plan our service. And so, so every, just about every church uses it. And so let's plan all the time so we know exactly how this needs to go so we can make sure we fit it all in our hour, hour and five minute, hour and 15 minute segment that we're going to have. I'm not against being timely. Please, I know I, it's hard for me to convince you that, but I'm just saying I'm not necessarily against that. I'm just saying that they didn't do all that before the Acts 2 experience happens. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, when they're praying, it says the place where they assembled, they're praying, and the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God with boldness. There wasn't, there wasn't God said, okay, is it okay if I do this? He just shows up, and he'll stretch us. Anybody ever been stretched? Say yes. When uh, Randall Oswalt took his baby about, I think about two or three weeks ago, and went to the hospital, uh, that next morning, I talked to him on the phone as it was happening. He took his baby and was having breathing problems and laid it in the, hos- in the hands of the ER nurse, and his baby quit breathing, and they had to do CPR. And then God shows up, and little Callum is doing so good right now. I'm, I'm just saying it wasn't like, okay, you're going to go through this, but I'm going to be there, and I'm going to take It wasn't all that. I was uh, um, with Landon the other night. His appendix was, um, I don't know, it was like midnight or something, 1130 when they took him into surgery or something. And uh, and then Landon gets out like they said. I heard the doctor after the surgery said, well, yeah, three or four days, maybe seven, eight, or nine. We'll just see because it had ruptured or whatever appendixes do when they become inflamed and infected and 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 then he's out like in a day and a half or something i'm just saying god didn't ask is it okay if i just go ahead and take care of some stuff early for him he just shows up aren't you glad he shows up in fact in fact in acts 2 the word is suddenly suddenly unexpectedly i mean they're waiting but yet god shows up in a way that 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 maybe we weren't anticipating but it's for you and i to say I want to get out of this box 
that. I've been the box of a, of a, of a stale prayer life, the box of, of, of a spiritual life that has become stagnant and static. And God, I want to get beyond this. The mundane, the mediocre, the lethargic religious ritualism, the, the perfunctory performance. I, I, I landed on one of those radio stations the other day that was like one that you get like every once in a while. And it's some Christian station. I don't know what the name of it is or I don't even know the number. But they were singing. They had, it, was like, it was kids' songs. I don't, and they were singing this song. It was little kids singing it. It sounded really pleasant and cute. And they were singing, be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Kind of oompa music. Be careful, little Father up above. He's looking down. I can't remember. We sang when I was a kid. Looking down. Be careful. And I thought, that's kind of scary. And it's almost like you might be able to do some stuff over there where he's not watching. (laughs) But he's watching. That's not what God's wanting to do. You hear me? Right? He didn't have a blind eye towards sin. But I also know that we don't want this religious thing. And, and sometimes we get in this box. Is this okay? So, so we get in this box kind of, of, of just this natural kind of thinking. It kind of rules our world. It kind of rules our world. Government, science, nothing wrong with these things. Philosophies, ideologies, psychology, ways of of thinking and processing from a natural point of view. That's why sometimes you'll hear me like I'll say something about science, and I really am interested in science, in in the knowing part of that. But I I get a little aggravated and frustrated sometimes because they only do it from a natural point of view. They they limit any supernatural, any miraculous, and they just say that's just for some weak-minded people that can't understand one of my favorite one of my favorite examples is when they when science says okay there's a planet light years away and they don't use this terminology but I'll make it plain they say something like we're pretty sure there could be life there i'm like i don't think you're sure of anything you told me when i was in elementary school at school 99 arlington woods that there was going to be an ice age coming and we need to be careful and now everything's melting. Science at one time said the earth was flat. And now they say it's round. Are you, are you hear what I'm saying? We were wrong. And so we think it's, and, 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 I, and I think that when they say, well, there's light, and it's so many light years away, and, and light, we know, travels 186,000 miles per second. And it's, it's going to take years going that fast, which we can't go that fast, and we don't know how to develop to go that fast. And somehow we'd have to find a wormhole to be able to, to, to make that happen, and we're not sure if wormholes exist. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But moving as fast as it takes, if I turn these lights on from it, for, for it to get from there to my eyes, that, that light moving that fast, that we, if we move that fast for a year and a number of years, we'd find a planet out there that could have life. And I'm like, you can't know that. And so this natural box that we get in, we get in this natural box. And that natural box, we try to explain away everything that's supernatural, everything that's miraculous, everything that is otherworldly, that God somehow does exist. And if he does exist, the, the agnostic would say that, well, I don't know if God exists, but... 
If I saw proof, then I could believe it, but then I really wouldn't believe that he'd be interested in my day-to-day life. He's somewhere out there kind of in this um, neb- you know, far away, distant from us, and, and we get there. And if we do pray, because it, it, it impacts the church, so if we do pray, we believe God, we're going to pray, but and he's a big God somewhere, but he's really never going to do anything of any significance in our life, so we're not going to believe him for anything. Anybody hear what I'm saying? And so we limit God, we, we limit our prayer life. We, we, we kind of compare ourselves in, in, in some way to the world and we act like and do like just like the world, although we're following Jesus and, and it's all mixed up and messed up. And I'm just saying this, that box needs to be busted. Right? If we're ever going to see God do the kind of things that God does, then we've got to get rid of that kind of thinking that limits and restricts and brings God down to just something that we can understand and we can figure out because he never is that. His ways are higher than our ways. Right? His thoughts are above our thoughts, that, that he exists at a level that he's God and we are not, and we can't figure everything out about him. And the other, other box that we can seemingly get caught in is that box of that restricts us and keeps us from experiencing all that God has is a theological box that, that we just, we don't believe somehow in our faith and our interpretation of Scripture that God would do anything like that today. We've limited God to just the way we interpret some things. We have our favorite verses and our favorite texts that we continue to refer to so that we can keep God from doing anything today that would be beyond uh, just giving us some hope of an eternity with him. When I was young, that was all the songs, not all. A lot of the songs reflected just that thing. We sung about heaven a lot, and one day we're going to go to heaven, and I love heaven. I haven't been there, but I already love it. Anybody with me? Like you, got, you got hell or you got heaven. Heaven sounds good to me. It's not a hard sell. I mean, I could preach this on any, anywhere. Heaven's the better option. Uh, and, but, but we relegate um, our theology to just that's what God's going to do, and I'm going to try to maintain some semblance of what he wants so that I experience that. And I'm just saying this, that... Sometimes you've got to crash the theological box. And I'm not talking about Scripture. Everything needs to line up with Scripture. I'm talking about just our preconceived ideas, the things that we think that are so spectacular that are only the doctrines of men. You, you realize there's the doctrines of devils. Those, those, those are uh, damning to men and women across the world. And there's the doctrines of men that are... Um, ideas that we develop and we build silos around the doctrines of men. So then you got the folks over here that embrace uh, this doctrine that was started in the, during during the uh, reformation of the church, and they all huddle around here. And you got some over here that huddle around this, and then we have no contact in between because we don't agree on some interpretation of something. That when we get to heaven, I'm like, well, I really don't know. If the thing you're championing, I'll give you the trophy right now. You can be the champion for it. I told somebody the other day, I think it's a lot easier to get saved than most of us think it is. And I think it's a lot harder to forfeit or lose that than a lot of people think it is. Are you hearing me?
I don't have to, I don't have to jump in one camp or the other and, and put my stake down so I can only have friends that think this or think that. I'm just saying, I don't need the theological box that's a man. I want the doctrine. Here's the, here's the scriptural term, the doctrine of God. What does God say? He can be both this and this at the same time and not have to compromise himself at all. And our minds, are, we, we have a difficult time of getting our minds uh, to grasp who he is, the immensity of God uh, to get our minds around that and to, and to understand it. And I'm just saying this today, sometimes you got to crash it. I, I love, the, I love the, the testimony. I've, I've witnessed and watched these over the years, but, but Jack Deere, anybody know who that is? Yeah, first service, nobody did either. you gotta, you got to read his book. Uh, Jack Deere was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and Jack Deere was a cessationist. In other words, uh, meaning that, that the Holy Spirit in its um, external outward manifestations ceased many years ago um, at the death of the apostles or the, the um, fulfillment of scriptural text. And that's what he taught, and he was a intellectual and taught these things. And then one day, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said in his book, surprisingly, unexpectedly, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said it was a whole paradigm shift because now his theology has been altogether different. And I'm just saying this, that once you kick, once the glass is shattered and you're out of the aquarium, well, then you can start seeing God can do something beyond what I've tried to trap him into. J. Vernon McGee, anybody know that name? Yeah, if you're, if you, yeah, if you, you, you got to be from a prior millennium. He's on the radio still. He's dead, but he's still on the radio somehow. But J. Vernon McGee, if, if you ever land on him, he's kind of got this, you know, um, J. Vernon McGee kind of talk. And uh, great Bible teacher, commentaries, all the stuff. And uh, he didn't believe in healing for today. Taught opposite. They, they, God doesn't do physical healing today. So many years. And then one day he got terminal cancer. And he didn't shift his opinion. That's the way he believed. That's the way he, that's his theological stance. That's what he thought scripture said. But then all kinds of people started praying for J. Vernon McGee. I mean, he, he was on 400 radio stations at his height. I think his, his, his uh, broadcast was translated into, I believe it was over 100 languages. And just an old southern guy on the radio talking about the Bible. And he got terminal cancer. You're not going to live. The cancer you have, you're not going to live. And people started praying for him. And J. Vernon McGee got healed. No more cancer. He lived for 23 years after his diagnosis of terminal cancer. Because God stepped in regardless of his theology, and did something that caused him to have to see some things differently. Sometimes we've got to get to the place that we say, God, I know I've been in this box of thinking this way. I know, I know God, that I've trusted you in this, and, and no reason to doubt it because I see how this, the word says this and this and this, but God, I also want to be open to whatever you want to do. Now, not out of, a, not of an alignment with his word, um, I think the other reason sometimes we don't enter into and get out of the aquarium and allow God to do some of the things that he could do is because we know there's counterfeits. Anybody with me? I mean, I've seen them. I've witnessed them. I've seen people do some stuff that, like, that's goofy. 
That's kind of hokey. I don't think God wanted you to do that. And by the way, I'm not a skeptic and a cynic, or I'm just saying that didn't even that didn't sound. That's not scriptural. You're 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 not out of the box. You're out of the Bible. And and so I would just say this: that you can't let a counterfeit keep you from experiencing the authentic. Because somebody did something that was wrong and goofy and, 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 and weird. You can't let that keep you and us from ever experiencing what God desires to do. Some of you know I, I grew up in a, in a uh, I, I say radical, radical Pentecostal kind of background. And, and I, I remember seeing some things. I'm like, I remember one church where they, they made sure everybody in the whole church fell down. And I'm like, and you, by the way, I, I, don't, I, I don't think that falling down is wrong. I don't want to fall down necessarily. I fell down the stairs a few times. It's not fun. But I also know that in Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, right, the priest couldn't stand to minister. The presence of God was so thick. God, give us that. I'll fall, I'll fall down right now at that. Are you with me? Right? I don't want to fall down just because you hit me in the head real hard, but, but, but give me that, right? When, when Jesus, when they come looking for him and he said, I am, you remember that? And they fell back. I'll take that, that I get in, so, in such awe of who you are that I just cannot continue to stand in your presence. I'm just saying this, that too many times, We've got caught in the box of, of some, some false and some counterfeit. And by the way, God's not excited about that either. In fact, you want to stir up his ire, that'll do it. You, you, you may remember in First Chronicles when, when they're going to get the ark, David is like, you know, the ark, of, the ark of the covenant, the ark of God represents the presence of God, and the, it's been in the hands of the enemy for too long, should never have been there. And it happened in the early part of Judges when, when Eli had led such a wicked in such a wicked way and not confronted sin. And, and so, so it had been taken in the Philistines. They didn't want to deal with it anymore because crazy stuff was happening. They, their temple of Dagon, his, his hands and feet are falling off his head. And so they're like, this is bad. We don't. And so they, they've got it parked away. And David, they go to get it. And the Philistines had carried it on a cart. And so David has a cart built. And I can imagine it's probably ornate and beautiful and all the stuff. And they go to get the ark, and they're bringing the ark of the covenant. You got to figure, figure, get a picture of it. It's this, it's this box that's that's in gold and and has the the angelic wings uh, on it. anybody anybody know what everybody know what that is? Pretty much, you get the picture. It's this box, and so they go to put it on the cart. They're bringing it, and they get to a place in the middle of the road where there's a there's a break. The King James says there's a it was a it was a breach. It's a place where oxen stumbled, and they did. And they stumbled, and the cart started to fall, started to, to rock and tilt over. And a guy by the name of Perazuza, he puts his hand up because he's going to steady it and stop it. And this is a hard thing to preach, by the way, because in that moment, God struck him, and he died. Because here's, here's, here's the reason why, because it was all out of order and not the way God ordered it. God's not happy about counterfeit stuff. 
He's not, he's, not, he's not happy when we get out of alignment with what he wants. So David parks it at the house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom is blessed, and then they go to get it. This time, they've researched and found out how the Word says to do it, what God says about it, and they have the Levites, and they're carrying the ark, and they're doing it God's way. And what a blessing, what a visitation of God's presence when they did it in order, in alignment with what God wanted. So, so, so don't miss this. It's getting out of the box of thinking that, well, there's counterfeit, and I don't want to be a part of that. Yes, there is. You don't have to be a part of that. If you have a pure heart before God, the Word says this, that if we have a pure heart, we're going to see God. That if you approach Him with a pure heart, God will do incredible, amazing things in your life. So many of you, are, you have a testimony of what God has done. And I'm just saying this, I believe we're entering into a season where we can believe for God to do the unbelievable, the impossible, right? The, the, things, that, the things that we thought were off limits, the things that we thought could never happen. And in the first service, I just shared a little bit of that, and then I got into my message in Matthew 13 about the parable of the weeds. And I, I was going to share, let, let me read, let me read some of the, let me read the first text, and then I'll explain it. And then we're going we're gonna to have a time of prayer. Matthew 13, pick it up in verse 24. Another parable. Jesus is already, we dealt with in the first week, the parable of the sower. It said another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sold good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares, weeds among the wheat, and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the weeds, the tares, also appeared. Verse 27. So the servants of the, of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? How does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you're gathering them up, the, we the weeds, the tares, you'll also uproot the wheat with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at that time, at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the weeds, the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. I want to stop there for a minute. This is one of the parables. Jesus did it with the parable of the sower, and he does it with the parable of the weeds here, with the wheat and the tares. He explains it. Because sometimes, you know how we are, we could read something and get some idea. And in fact, the disciples, he's been outside speaking to the crowd, the multitude, and, and now he's going in. In uh, 20, verse 26 of this uh, chapter, verse 36, I'm sorry, verse 36 of this chapter, he's told them some other parables. And then, and then they come in, they said, Jesus explained this one to us. Now, they must have thought they got the other ones, but this one they needed some understanding. And, and part of the interpretation of this is, and you can read it in verse 36 through 43 this week, but a part of it is that is identifying who the owner is. Right? The owner, right, the Lord is the owner. And, and, it's, and it's he that's planting seed into the soil. Now, 
in the parable. The sower, there's four kinds of soil. This is just dealing with the good soil and what happens, that, that he's planting seed, and then he identifies this enemy that came in at night as the devil. And that here's what happens. The field, the field he says, is the world. So here's what happens in the world, that, that there are, the seed is righteous, sons and daughters in the kingdom, or the enemy's seed, unrighteous, wicked sons and daughters that are in this world. And so it's not speaking about the church. Some people get this wrong. It's not speaking about the church. It's speaking about the world. That in the world, there is righteous us. I remember one time years ago, I had this a good guy came to me. He said, hey, he said, I've been thinking, what if we bought a lot of land and then we helped people build houses on it so we all could live there together? So the whole church would go there and live. And I know what he's saying, but then also, before I thought about it, I'm a little like Peter like this. I said, that sounds like a cult. I didn't have a filter when I said that. I just said it. Because we're not meant to be a block of salt. We're meant to be scattered. And even though I don't understand all the things that people do and why they do them and, and sometimes the evil and the wickedness that occurs in our world, we're, we're sprinkled in the mix so that we can be the salt there. Right? And so he said, let both of them grow up together, not separately, not distant, not far from one another. Right? Let them grow up because there's a harvest day coming. Now, here's what happens with wheat. When wheat grows up, the fruit of it in, in harvest time gets on it, and it's heavy, so it falls over. And so if you ever see a wheat field, you know, as it's, it's maturing, you'll see some around here in, in I guess, I don't know, I'm going to say July August, I'm not a farmer. I'm totally maybe off. It may be way earlier, but you'll see them, and they're bending over. But the weeds, the tares, they don't have that. They're kind of fruitless, and so they're sticking up. And so when harvest time comes, it's very easy to see the weeds. Now, if you tried to separate them before, they may look just alike, and, and you would uproot some of the good. And so what the Lord says, is a harvest day coming, and when it comes, he's going to take care of that. That means this, that I don't have to get troubled and worried about all the stuff out there. Because you could. Because there's some stuff that we don't like. Anybody with me? I don't like it that a guy got shot and killed just down the road from here the other day. Anybody, anybody hear that in the news? I don't like it that our murder rate in, in, in this city has been his, historical highs. I don't like that. My role, your role, is that we pray. Somebody shout pray. That we pray and that we love. There's a note, love. And we serve. Right? I, I'll be honest with you, and, I, and I, like, I like it when I hear about it, but the impact of us on the world isn't necessarily to redeem all the stuff in the world. I love to hear about when people step into community and bring change. It's awesome. But to be honest, we're not called to change all of the world. We're called to love to serve, to pray, and share, and share Jesus. So some folks, the theology is that one day we're going to get the world so good that Jesus can come back and he'll just take care of it and it'll be ready for him. I'm like, we're probably not. We're probably not. Let's, let's, let's make our world better where we can, but let's do it through loving, right, through serving, through praying, through sharing, and make an impact. Because there is the inevitability of an enemy. You can read in Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. Lucifer, the son of the morning. Right? 
There is an existence of an enemy. Maybe you don't know that. Maybe you don't realize that there's an enemy of your soul. When you follow Jesus, there's a little bit of a target on your back. We've been in this 100 days to victory, and I've heard some of the reports of good things, and I've also heard folks say, well, it's been tough. One guy told me, he said, Pastor, as soon as I started this, I got kidney stones. He said, I never had kidney stones. He told me how bad it hurt, and just by the way he's saying it, it sounds like it hurt really bad. I said, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. Because the enemy just wants to mess you up in so many ways. You say, Pastor, I think kidney stones are caused by this. I get it. I get it. But then I also know what just happened at that certain time when he said, I'm going to start on this fast, and I'm going to, I'm going to journey through the New Testament together with everybody. I'm going to do all these things. There's an enemy. I said it earlier, the title of that sermon I heard 30 years ago, there's a devil loose. Right? To understand that here in this parable, he's saying there's an enemy. And you, you can raise your children. You can impart things to them and, and just invest in them. And one day they'll come home from school or somewhere. They'll hang out with their friends. And they'll say something like, where did that come from? Where did they get that? Our daughter was young. We got called in second grade, I think it was. Got called in. And uh, the teacher said, she said this. I'm like, we don't say that. It's not even a word. It's in our vocabulary. And uh, come to find out, she'd been hanging out with this other little girl, and she heard the word, other little girl say the word, and she just thought, well, that's a word you can say. I'm just saying this. You can pour into your children and invest and invest, and one day the enemy sows a seed, right? And so, so what are the implications? Well, the implications is this, and definitely there's a prophetic implication in this, right? The, the uh, eschatology uh, that you could dig into this, out of this passage, it's there, the end time harvest, and what's going to happen. There is, a, there is a literal heaven and a literal hell that's addressed. But what's the implications for us right now? The number one, that you stay engaged. Stay engaged. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. I know it may look tough. The word said this, let both of them grow up together. It means you don't, you, don't, you don't exit, you don't give up, you don't, you don't just withdraw because you think, don't do like the guy said who said, let's just withdraw and be over here and not engage. No, you continue to engage. Where God has rooted you, where you've been planted, where, where you have been sown, you engage there. I love what Augustine said. He said, those who are weeds today may be wheat tomorrow. You don't know who your life might be impacting. I mean, we, we, uh, we had prayer here. We've been doing prayer 9, nine o'clock on Saturdays to this 100 days, corporate prayer. And yesterday we were praying over the staff, and, and one of the staff said, hey, I've got some family that needs Jesus, and just praying that we'll be a, a light to them and be able to, because they, they seem so, uh, so against that. And so there's an investment being made, but you don't know who God's going to bring across their path, right? That, that, that is going to be an influence that we didn't even anticipate. Secondly, practice tolerance. He says, let them both grow up together. That means there's going to be some people in your life, in this world, in the field of this world, uh, they disagree with you. They don't think like you. By the way, if you're married, you already know that, right? There's no two people that see it all alike. We're all different. We're all different. There's all there's different characteristics and and abilities and skill levels and backstories and all that stuff. It's different about all of us. 
And then there's people in the world that we disagree with uh, strongly on something. And what he's saying here is they're there, and you're in that you're you're positioned in as them being a part of your sphere of influence or being a part of your reach. That you got to practice tolerance. And I, by the way, the world doesn't get this wrong. I get get this right much of the time. They talk about it, but unless you agree with them, they don't always tolerate you. And I'm just saying, tolerance is about when someone disagrees with you, and you still continue to love, to pray, to serve, to share. You know what I'm saying? Right? The, the, you don't just back out and say, well, because we disagree. That's a, that's, that's a problem with our world that we, we get polarized because we disagree about some stuff. Hey, we disagree. The Bible says this, that in the body of Christ, that iron sharpens iron, right? That we're going to get sharper being together. And so it's this idea that, you know what? I'm going to practice some tolerance, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in some people. I'm not going to beat them over the head. I'm not going to berate them. I'm not going to tell them the newest thing that I learned that I can disagree with them with. Thirdly, that we anticipate the harvest. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. There's a harvest coming. There's a, there's a time. And I believe this. Uh, John said it like this in heaven that, that he, he witnessed this number that no man could number. There's a whole lot of people. I know. You may say, Pastor, but there's a narrow, it's a narrow way and a broad way. I get it. But this narrow way, there's a whole lot of people that's deciding to walk the narrow way. Are you with me? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be gathered together. And the harvest is going to be beautiful. And we get to be a part of that.